0: Matthew 16 and 13 says this. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom... Say ye that I am. I like what Jesus did there. He made it personal, did He not? He said, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, that He was, the, was Christ, was Jesus the Christ. You may be seated. Father, we come to You today in the name of, of the Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Father, You know how we need You today. God, I pray, Lord, that You'd give us the help, Lord, that we need. God, I pray, Lord, that Your Spirit would light upon us and help us to preach in the Spirit just for a few moments. Father, I pray, Lord, that You'd help us. God, I pray, Lord, that You'd go before us. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd be with every person, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman that's under the sound of our voice today. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd do business with them. And God, that you'd speak to every heart and every life. And God, that they'd find the help, Lord, that they need. God, we're thankful, Lord, that we can gather the way we are just today. Thankful, Lord, for the wonderful singing, the wonderful testimonies. Lord, for your spirit that we've already felt so real and true in this place today. Father, we love you. We give you glory and honor and praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was thinking the other day uh, along the lines of the church. And I want you to notice what Jesus said there. I believe it's in verse number 18. And these words are in red. And Jesus said, He said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, I want you to know that Jesus was not referring to Peter as being that rock which the church was to be built upon. But He was certainly referring to Himself. But you know, I got to thinking about the church and the establishment of the church and the purpose of the church. And and Lord willing, I, I want to preach just for the next few moments on simply the church. You know, I, I want you to know that the church is not just the building. I, you know, I, I, looked, I looked the definition of the, of the word church up in Webster's Dictionary and I wasn't satisfied with it. It talked about a, a building, a place of gathering where people would come together and it talked about maybe a, a particular church service. But that's not the church. Let me just say this. The church is not the walls of the of, of this structure. The church is not the brick and the mortar. The church is not the carpet. The, the church is not the ceiling fans or the roof or the lights within this structure that we're in today. But let me say this. The church is those that have come by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've come by the virgin birth. They've come by the perfect sinless life that He lived. They've come by the death of... Burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the church of the living God. That is the true church of the living God. It's not a building. It's not a structure. And you know, I thought about this. I thought that uh, the church is a called out assembly. It's not a denomination. And I thought about this. For too long, we put too much emphasis on a particular or a certain denomination well, we we've classified this one and that one and said well if we're not this or that you know what that tells me that we're putting we're putting more trust we're putting more faith we're putting more hope in the denomination itself rather than what the lord jesus did on calvary where he shed his precious blood you think about the church. You know. Let me just say this: the the church. Uh, if you're if you're hooked up on a denomination, you know, denomination is nothing. Is nothing more than a religion. You know, a religion was was an enemy of the cross. I'm not interested in your religion. I'm interested in a relationship between you and myself and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought I thought about you know denomination at times. If we're not careful, it'll cause separation it'll cause confusion it'll cause division and, and I've heard it said myself uh, and, and I, that he completely lost me when he said it a preacher was preaching one time and he said if you're not a Baptist you're not born again you're not saved but let me just say this what, would, what do they do with Jesus of Nazareth Jesus was a Nazarene my goodness you think they're dead wrong about it let me just say this you don't have to be a Methodist you don't have to be a Presbyterian. You don't have to be a Baptist or a particular denomination. To... Let me just tell you who makes it into heaven. It's those that have come by the way of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you come to a place and repented of your sin and say, Lord, I'm guilty of the sin and ask God to forgive you, that's the ones that will make it to heaven. Talking about the church meaning and the purpose of it, the establishment of the church, and you know Jesus never, I don't read in the Bible where Jesus said you've got to be this or you've got to be that in order to make it to heaven. He said you must be born again. That's the only requirement. Plus and minus nothing. You must be born again. You know, I thought about you know that Jesus well you think about this, you know so what is it that, that gets us that gets us into heaven and you know I thought it, it it's not it, it's not a confirmation service it's not a certificate where the preacher filled it out and you signed it and, and and that's not what gets your name in the Lamb's book of life. It's not that you pay your tithes every month or every week or however you pay your tithes. It's not the very fact that, that you come to church on every time the doors are open. It's not the, the, the very fact that mommy and daddy done this or mommy and daddy done that but you think about it today church. It's the very fact that we've accepted the Lord Jesus in our hearts and our lives. That's the church. And that's what makes the difference. Amen. You know, it's not about baptism. But it's about the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Him and Him. Nothing plus or nothing minus other than that. And you know the church is, is the most powerful organism that was ever established. And you know the church is a powerful thing. now the church isn't perfect. The church isn't perfect. One day the church will be. We'll get there, Lord willing, in just a moment. But the church isn't, you know, the, the, the church is, it, it's it's not a club. This is not a, a, a social gathering, But but it's an organism. You know what that means? That means that the church is a living body. The church is alive. It's alive and it's well today. It's not a a social gathering. It's not a place that we gather to talk about current events and the things of the world. But you know, it's a place that we can come to meet with God and be in the fellowship of like-minded people, born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a place that we can come and feel the presence of God in our hearts and in our lives. Talking about the church. You know, you think about this building. And the property that, that this building is on and and even the activities building over there, you know, there's nothing holy within within these buildings, within the structures. But you know, it's something that has been set apart, and and we ought to look at it reverently. And I believe every time we come to the house of God, we ought to come with reverence in our heart and in our mind, and, and ready to worship and ready to to praise Him and honor Him, and and, and just like just like I believe it was Nicole who said there just a a, a moment ago, it, it doesn't matter what we look like, but you know, I believe it's all an inward thing and the expressions of the inward being and you know what, there's times that we don't have to say a word, we don't have to do a thing, but I believe that God can look on the inside of an individual and see the praise that's... You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to cry, but God knows what's taking place on the inside of an individual. And I believe that, you know, I thought about the church and how this place ought to be a place that we come and it ought to be a separate place and we ought to I believe look at this this building and like I said there's nothing holy within the structure but I believe we ought to come with reverence to the house of God and we ought to treat this place better than any any other place we treat, anywhere else. And I thought, you know, if, if I was to come home from work and not take my boots off and just walk through the house and prop my, my boots up on the, the chair or the couch, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm it's going to be a few days before I can uh, stay to drive to work. Because that young lady over there's going to beat my eyes shut. But you know, we ought to treat the house of God the same. Even better than the way we treat our homes. We ought to treat the house of God and with right. utmost respect, and and I was watching these little—I believe I counted uh, six little boys here this morning. And maybe maybe I, I hope I didn't miss one, but but I watched as these little boys. You know, I think it's wonderful to watch the children come to the house of God. You know, and I, and I believe as a parent, it's our responsibility. let me just say it like this: if 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 mom and dad didn't hand it down to me how would I know how to treat the house of God? If we don't hand it down to the next generation, how will they know how to treat the house of God? Now, I love to watch them run. I love to watch them enjoy themselves and and have a good time in church. But you know, there comes a time when we need to set them down and say, hey, we're going to listen to the singing. We're going to listen to the preaching. We ought to be reverent in the house of God and honor the house of God and, and, and just consider... Who it is we're here for and why we're here. Something special about the house of God. And you know, I thought if if we as God's people don't show respect and reverence to the house of God, how can we expect anybody else to There's a few things I want you to know listen? You know, I I thought I I, I think it was Brother Roger that when he stood and testified there a moment ago, he talked about going back, he was thinking back to the days of old. And I thought about, you know, I'm concerned the church is getting too worldly today. And I don't see that here at Union Valley, thank God, but I can look and see other churches and and how they're trying this and they're trying that and they're bringing things of the world in to try. You know what? I thought about this. The church is not a place of entertainment. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to put on the show. I don't believe these two young ladies that stood over here was here to entertain you. It's not about entertainment, but it's, it's all about meeting with God. And I thought about those old-timey those old people as they, they saddled up their horses and hooked their buggies to the horses. You, you think about how they would drive or ride those horses for, for miles, hours at times, to get to a little old shop that they called the church alongside the road somewhere and they would sit in their their, their rough cut pews and they didn't have heat. They didn't have air. but didn't even maybe have a window on the side of the churches. But you know what? They met with God and I believe they had more of the power of God on them than most churches do today. Because we're getting it wrong. It's not about entertainment. And and I believe a lot of churches is more about entertaining you today and and then preaching and and praising the Lord. It's not about entertainment. I think we got our priorities backwards in a lot of of ways and a lot of times. You know, I want you to notice in verse number 18, there's a few things, a couple things that Jesus said here, a couple promises. I want you to notice Jesus said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I notice this, Jesus said, I will build my church. You know that is a promise? That Jesus is building the church. It's not up to me. It's not, up to, it's not up to the Pope. It's not up to anybody else. But Jesus Himself will build the church. Now, I believe there's a few things that you and I can do to help that. And maybe we'll get, get to that here in just, just a moment. But, but you know, I thought about it. I believe it's in Acts chapter uh, chapter number 2. And I believe it's in, in verse number 47. It says something like this. It says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved, you know. You think about that's the true church. God, Jesus wasn't talking about a structure that He's going to lay block and and and, and sheep rock and put a roof over. But He was talking about you. He was talking about me in the day and the moment that you and I accepted Him and was was blood bought and born into the family of God. That's the church that Jesus is building. Then he mentioned, uh, the writer there, Brother Luke, mentioned uh, about how the Lord was going to add daily to the church such as should be saved. You know, I thought about, you think about an architect as he would design a structure or design a building. and. And then he would lay out the floor plan and lay out the plans and how he would de- he would design the, the structure and, and, and lay it out there. And then maybe it might they was going to build a building and it might go up for bid and a contractor would get a hold of it and how the contractor would look at the drawings and, and he would go out uh, to the lumber yard and to the lumber store and, and all these different places and he would he would go out and purchase and buy everything that was needed to build the the tr- or, or build the structure or build the building. And you know, you think there's nothing that you and I needed to do, but it was up to the contractor to go out and take care of those things and know that everything was going to be taken care of. You know, and I believe that Jesus promised us that He Himself was going to build and take care of the church. And you know, notice this. He also promised there in that same verse, He said, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you know that that's a promise as well? Jesus promises to protect and guard and keep the church. Do you think about that? That tells me that no matter what I face in this life, if I'm a born again believer in the Lord Jesus, I've got one that's looking out over me. I've got one that's going to watch out over me and He's going to keep me. And you know what? It talked about the gates of hell. And you think about about gates. When they referred to gates in those days, it it was a, a position of strength. It, it was it showed authority and it showed power and it showed th- uh, strength and it, it showed maybe even a, a place of change, if you will. You think about Remember when Lazarus was laid at the, the rich man's gate? And, and, and they knew that if Lazarus was laid at the rich man's gate, that, he had, that the rich man had everything that he needed to take care of him. He could feed him and he could make a change in that man's life. You know, and I thought about how Jesus said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against so it. That tells me that, you know, let me just say this, you and I, I, I can't take the, I can't take Satan on my, my my own. I can't handle him within my own my own strength, my own power. But but that tells me that the, the gates of hell, if they're right here, Jesus is saying He could take His church and place them right at the the all the power that's on the other side of those gates, and no, it's not going to prevail. In other words, we're going to overcome through and by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is still alive today. The church is still well on its way today. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, I want you to think about this. You know, you think about Jesus being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. What bridegroom is not going to protect his bride? Now let me just say this. If there's someone that comes to harm How many husbands do we have in here today? Make make sure everybody gets it. Rodney, it's okay. (laughs) But let me just say this. How many husbands here, if someone was coming to harm your spouse, they would have to come through you first? You think about that. If anybody had something odd to say against Sarah, they would hear from me. And I think that's the way it ought to be. We ought to protect our our spouses. But you know, I think that's the way with, 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 with Christ. You think of Him being the bridegroom and, and us being the bride, there's no doubt in my mind that He's going to protect the church. He's going to take care of the church. And I want you to think about this. I'll be done here in just a moment. I want you to think about the purpose of the church. And we've seen the protection and seeing the provision of the of the church that the Lord Jesus himself is going to do. But you know you think about about the purpose of the church. And and first of all I believe there's there's a few things I want you to notice and I believe this. First of all, I believe that that I believe that once we become a part of the church, let me just ask you this how many of you know that you're born again and you know that someone, whether it be a, a, a mom or a dad or whoever, the grandparent, whatever it may be, the pastor, know that someone prayed for you to be saved. Sure, I believe every one of us should raise both hands. Not a doubt in my mind that, thank God that somebody prayed for me. But you know, I believe once we are born again, and become a part of the church. You know, I believe that's our responsibility. Is to pray for our lost family members. To witness to our neighbors. To witness to those that we work with that are lost and on their way. I believe it's, it's up to us. And I believe that God has, uh, the, has given us the great commission, if you will, to go out to the hedges and highways and, and compel those to come in. And I believe it's a great responsibility that you and I have as the church of the true and living God to witness and pray for those souls that might be saved as well. You know, and I thought we ought to reach out to souls that they might in hopes be saved one day. And you know, you may not be saved here today. You may not know the Lord Jesus in a personal way, but I want you to know that you can. And you too can be a part of this of this church that we're preaching about about this morning. You know, and I believe this, I believe that we're supposed to encourage the believer. How many of you at times get discouraged, get down, get kicked around a little bit, sure. Every one of us. And you know, I believe it's up it's up to us. You know, Cain slew Abel. And he said, am I my brother's keeper? Questioning God. And to answer that question, absolutely. We should be one another's keeper. You know what? We ought to be able to look and see the needs of others. And be able to pray and help and encourage and exhort and lift each other up. It's okay to pat your neighbor on their back every now and then. Lift them up and, and encourage them. You know, and I believe in order to do that, I believe we ought to assemble ourselves together and be faithful to the house of God. And you know what? If there's anything that comes between us and God, and be and between us and being faithful to the house of God, we ought to get rid of it out of our lives. You know, and he, I like what the writer there said in in Hebrews chapter ten and then in verse twenty five. He said, "Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another." In so much that you see the day approaching. And my goodness, if you can't look and see the day approaching, that tells me how much the more we need to be faithful to the house of God. We need to be faithful to one another and be faithful, to be faithful to God. And you know, I'll I'll just say it like this we need each other. I don't know about you, but I need the church. I need to be churched, I need to be preached to. I need to be present in the house of God every time, every opportunity that I have I need to be present in the house of God. And I, I, I thought about this. I was I was reading the other day and on bees, and I don't like bees. Somebody explained to me how a little old bee that long could have a stinger that long. I don't like them. And I understand that... Uh, Bees are—they're ran by the female, and how—and that, that's not the reason why I don't like them. But you know, I—I I thought about those bees, and and as I was reading and looking upon them, I understand that they could just be a handful of them in a colony, or there could be as many as sixty thousand bees. I can't imagine that. I just I, I cringe I will hurt myself or hurt somebody else getting away from a bee that big. I don't like them. But understand that there could be just a handful of them or a whole big colony of them up to 60,000 bees in one, in one hive. And you know that there's, there's always a, a slow season, if you will, a cold season, if you will, that those bees have to go through. And you think about the church. You know, the church isn't always up here. Union Valley isn't always up here. There's times when the, when the church will go through a dry spell. It'll go through a cold spell. It'll go through a, 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 a rough patch, if you will. But at those times, it's not times to abandon ship. It's not time to jump out and go try somewhere else. And let me just say this. I understand as I was reading and studying about those bees, during that time, what the bees will do, they'll, during the cold snap and the, and the dry spell, there, there's no pollen. They're not able to make the fruit. They're not able to, to make the honey. And what happens is they'll, they'll huddle up real close together. I mean, they'll just congregate and get real. And the colder it gets, the tighter they'll, they'll get. The colder it gets, the, the closer they'll get. And you know, uh, and, and, and during this time, maybe the elderly or the older ones will, will die off and pass on. But it, I understand this, that if during that time, if one of those bees leave the hive without the permission of the queen bee and go to another hive, then the other hive bees will kill that bee and throw it out of their hive. What I'm trying to tell you is, when we have low times in our life and low times in our church, it's not time to get out. It's not time to run and, and, and check the grass is, and see if the grass is greener over here, but you know what? it's time that we ought to huddle up together. You know what We may not know how long the cold snap's going to be. We may not know how long that the pollen's going to be low, but you know what we ought to know when that, when the sun shines again and when the pollen begins to fly again, we can still know that we're still in the house of God and being faithful to the house of God. How important it is. We ought to stay put and know that the sun is going to shine again one day in our lives. You know, I thought that there's some people, and it breaks my heart to even say it and even think about it, but you know there are some people that will never be saved an awful thought when you really think about it but you know I believe that that those people are still presented the gospel to I believe that they're still preached to and you may ask why and I thought about this you know I believe this that when they stand before God in judgment there's not going to be any excuses you realize that So if you're here today and you're not saved, don't think that you're going to stand at the great white throne judgment and say, well, I didn't know. I wasn't aware that this is the way it was going to be. Because I want you to know when you come to Union Valley and you leave this life as we know it and you're not saved, I want you to know that you've been loved. You've been prayed for. We've begged and we've pleaded. Why don't you come and surrender your life to Christ today? There will be no excuses when we stand before a sovereign God that day. You think about it. The last thing I want you to notice is simply this. You know the church, I mentioned there a moment ago that the church is the church is not perfect yet. You think about it. If I'm part of the church, I know myself, Brother John. My faults, my failures my sins my shortcomings how many of you here know that you fail we fall and come up short so that tells me that the church right now is not perfect you think about the addictions you think about the weaknesses you think about uh, about the problems that we that we face every day and we battle and and struggle with every day the church is not perfect right now so how can a how can a church that's not perfect be presented. I believe it's not going to be long. I believe the church is going to be presented to a holy bridegroom. Perfect. Righteous. You think about it. I believe we're I believe it's just around the corner that the bride is going to walk down the aisle. My goodness, you think. I get excited thinking that one day soon I'm going to meet Jesus. But you know, in order for me to meet, I, I believe we, I believe the church. There's got to be a process that takes place. There's got to be something that happens, and I believe God Himself is going to. And I want to read. I want to read this to you over in Ephesians chapter number five. I believe it is, and I want to show you just a few verses here. Ephesians chapter number five, and beginning in verse number twenty-five, it says, "Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church." and gave himself forth, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, I like this, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that, but that it should be holy and without blemish could you imagine in your own mind the day that we stand before Christ as the perfect bride before Him? All our sins are gone. All our infirmities are gone. All the addictions are gone. All the the drugs are gone. There's there's no need for medication. You think about that. There's no need for a pair of glasses. There's no need for a a pair of uh, hearing aids. There's no need for a pair of crutches or wheelchairs. But could you imagine when all those things are gone and the church is perfect and presented before Jesus Himself? Could you imagine? Well, I get excited thinking about that and knowing that I believe it's soon to come. I believe the church is going to walk the aisle and be presented before the Bridegroom of Christ. You think about it. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, one of the greatest days in my life was May the 22nd, 1999. 1999. When I stood before friends and family and in the presence of God and I looked and heard the wedding music playing and I looked and heard come the prettiest thing I'd ever seen in my life. As she walked down the aisle with her father. What a day that was in my life and I'll never forget it. And if I had to do it over again, I'd do it a thousand times with that young lady right there. But you know there's nothing more that excites me any, anymore to think that one day I'm going to meet Jesus. One day, bless the Lord, I'm excited. I, I get to thinking about it and know that it's soon to come that the church is going to meet the Lord one day. Do you think about it, church? Are you ready to meet the bridegroom? Are you ready to meet Jesus? When He comes, are you prepared? Are you born again? Are you saved? Do you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life today? I want to invite you. I want to encourage you today. Why don't you come? If the Lord has spoken to you, why don't you come and unburden yourself here today? Help yourself.